So next, we're going to watch a short video of Bob Hazlett, one of the guys coming to the conference, Identity Revealed, and then Van will be up to share the message. We're doing a video about how God speaks to people. Do you guys ever hear God speak to you? Because you know that God loves you, right? Singing your name. God of mercy. So sometimes in your journey it rains, but what do you do? You go get something to eat, and we stopped in this Boulder Cafe, and we got to have a great encounter with a young lady named Amber. Because it rained, we got to meet somebody we would never have met if it was sunny. I feel like, like you even sometimes have to work like more than one thing, and you're like, how can I juggle all this stuff up? But you're, you're going to be able to do it, yeah, for sure. Also, do you ever have a problem with one of your shoulders? Is yeah, it, actually. You know, is it hurt right now? Yeah. Can I, can I just pray for you right now? Can you give me your hand? Yeah. God, thank you right now for healing this shoulder. Come in every pain out of it, every muscle, every nerve you lose. Now, in Jesus' name. Okay, check it out. What does it feel like? Good. Really? Seriously? Yeah. Come on. Isn't that great? Thank you. Yeah. Those are crazy. <laughs> God's got you. What's your name? Amber. Amber. You're awesome. So we're out to find people, let them know that God knew exactly when they were born. He planned them. He had a purpose for them. They were chosen before the foundation of the world to do great things with God. And we're going to tell them those things they were created to do. That's my favorite thing to do on my birthday is to help other people discover how they were, what they were born to do. The destiny that God has for them. Yeah, isn't that awesome? <clears throat> Let me ask you, does that guy fit here or not? Yeah, doesn't he? Uh, we heard him about a year ago up, up at a conference north of Dayton. Lori and I did. I think uh, Will and Jen might have been there too. But uh, I went away from that after hearing him speak, just thinking, well, this guy fits us. You know, we've got to have him come. And so we've been working on that for a while, and it's working out uh, for two weeks uh, from this weekend. So we're excited about that, and uh, looking forward to the ministry he's going to bring. All right, joke, okay? Joke. (laughs) Someone this morning told me they're going to vote for a video next week. (laughs) We just had a video. Okay, so this guy goes into a pet shop and says, I want to buy a fish. And the owner of the pet shop says, do you want an aquarium? And the guy hesitated. And then he said, well, I don't care what its astrological sign is. You get it? Okay, so a guy took his girlfriend to a football game. This is Super Bowl Sunday, all right? We have to have some football jokes here. Guy took his girlfriend. She had never really been to a sporting event, let alone a football game. And they watched the whole game. And afterwards, he said, well, what did you think? And she said, well, I think it's really strange that those men would be out there trying to kill each other over 25 cents. And he said, what are you talking about? And she said, well, every time that one guy got the ball and they all chased him, everyone up here in the stands yelled, get the quarter back. All right, all right. They're getting better, okay? I'm ramping up to a finale here. Now, I'm a fan of Peyton Manning, okay? But did you hear uh, 
uh, Peyton Manning told a joke to his wide receivers? Anybody hear that? No, okay. Well, they didn't get it. Uh, it was over their heads. <laughs> so I repeat, I am a fan of Peyton. All right, I'm a Peyton Manning fan. All right, finally, there are four uh, uh, NFL fans, a Cleveland Browns fan, a Baltimore Ravens fan, Cincinnati Bengals fan, and a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Okay. And they're going up the side of a mountain, and they get into this argument about which fan base is the most committed. And the argument really gets vehement, and they come up to this place where there's a cliff And the Browns fan says, I'll show you which team has the most committed fans. And he just runs and jumps off the cliff yelling for the Cleveland Browns. And the Baltimore Ravens fan, not to be outdone, he just runs and storms off the edge of the cliff yelling for the Baltimore Ravens. Now the Steelers fan, generally being smarter than Browns and Ravens fans... He says, these guys, these guys are crazy. What's up? And he walks up to the edge of the cliff to look down. And then the next thing you hear is the Cincinnati Bengals fan yelling, for everybody in the NFL, as he pushed the Steelers fan off the cliff. <laughs> okay, there. How do you like that? What that means is I love you, Cincinnati people, Okay. <laughs> Thank you. All right, we've been talking about breakthrough the last uh, several weeks. And, uh, you know, when we, when we speak of breakthrough, we're talking about coming to a significant moment in, in your life and particularly in your walk with Jesus where uh, something that you've been struggling with or something that you've wanted to see change or something that you've wanted to see happen, just you, you see it happen. It might be in relationships. It might be in finance. It might just be a heart attitude uh, you know, some, some heart issue. But uh, by, by definition, the word breakthrough is sudden. You know, it sounds sudden, and it is sudden. It, it happens in a moment's time. But what has preceded it actually prepares the person for that moment. And while it seems like it's sudden, there's really a whole lot of preparation that happens leading up to the breakthrough. Think of a dam. And uh, dams that have broken. Uh, any of, anyone ever watch any of the TV programs on National Geographic or another where they talk about uh, dams, you know, major dam break disasters? And it's sudden. I mean, it happened at 9.03 a.m. Or, you know, or 10.45 p.m. at night. It was sudden. It happened in an instant of time. But as they study the whole thing, they find out that actually the foundation of that dam had eroded. And there, there had been years of wear and tear on the dam. And maybe there were some structural flaws in it and some cracks that had existed. And maybe there had been heavy rainstorms that had filled the dam right up to the brim two or three times where they thought it might break and it didn't. And now it, it crashes and it is sudden. But the foundation has already been set for that break. And the way that applies to this topic is this. If there's something that's holding you back from moving ahead in your walk with Jesus and in your life, in in your relationship with God, and you want to see that change, you have to have the foundation adjusted 
in order for the breakthrough to happen. And so many of us have wrong beliefs about who God is that form a, a foundation that inhibits breakthrough. Because no matter what God's, if God really loves me, but I don't believe that, then I don't really benefit from his love. You know, if God's really providing for me, but I don't see that, then I don't benefit from the provision of his life and power and needs that, that I have in life. And so it's our thinking that forms a faulty foundation that has to be replaced. And what God wants to do in our lives is to replace the faulty foundation with his truth because that opens up all sorts of possibilities. And, and you can, you can, it, it opens life up for you. And breakthrough happens. Now, some of the core thinking on this, uh, you know, first to realize that if, you've, if you know Jesus, you are a brand new person. You're new. You are not part old and part new. You're not your same old self, but now you've been forgiven and that's all that's happened and now you need to prove yourself to God. Make him happy that he chose you. It's not that, no, he makes us totally new. In fact, that's the foundation for everything. And when you look at this in Colossians 3.10, it says you've been changed into a new person. As a new person, you are in the process of being renewed in the things you believe and the way you think. So that you become like your creator. Okay, first, you're new, totally new. Now, the thing that constitutes spiritual growth is when my mind begins to accept that truth that I am new and some other core foundational truths that I don't just memorize but that I really allow to sink deep into my heart so that they form the basis for how I view life. That's my mindset. And when that happens, then there are changes that take place in my actions and in the way I express life because it's what I believe about life that determines how I live life. It's what I believe about people that determines how my relationships are. And it's what I believe impacts everything about how I live my life. And so as I begin to recognize I'm brand new, I still got some old thinking. Okay, I'm new, but I still have some old programs. We're trying to run these old programs on this new system. And I need to update the programs. I need to update the thinking. And so... When we realize that, then we recognize that, that some, there are some basic renewing truths that we have in life so that we become like our creator. See, that's God's intent, is that we be like Jesus. It's not God's intent that we just struggle through life and we, we badmouth ourselves and we're always, you know, well, I'm a loser. Well, what would I expect that, you know, from, you know, from my life? but to produce a failure like that. I mean, do you, can you picture Jesus doing that? Can you picture Jesus walking down the road, kicking the stones, saying, doggone it, Peter, I never get it right. You know, what's wrong? There's something wrong with me. No, Jesus didn't think that way. And God doesn't want us to think that way. He wants us to become like Jesus. And so one of the very first truths, foundational truth, 
is to begin to understand and grasp and touch the love of God. It is a foundational thing for us to understand God's incredible love for us. There's a verse in Ephesians 3 that uh, begins to introduce this to us, to us. Ephesians 3, verses 18 and 19. He says, I pray that you may be able, you, that you'll have the ability. This is, this is Apostle Paul praying for the Holy Spirit to give us the ability to comprehend with all the saints what see God's desire is for the all believers to be united that we're together and we're in relationship and that we move ahead together as a church body that we move ahead together with other believers but he says with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God look at that last phrase How do you get filled up with all the fullness of God? How's that happen? That you comprehend and know the love of God. And he says this love, he wants wants us to know the depth and the width and the height and the, the whole thing. It is, as he puts it here, beyond knowledge. It's beyond knowledge, but he wants us to know it. I mean, that sounds kind of like contradictory, doesn't it? But what he means by that is this. I'll never fully comprehend it. I'll never fully grasp it, but I'm beginning to. I'm beginning to see that it is incomprehensible. I'm beginning to see that it's beyond my ability to fully understand, and I am experiencing it. You see, I might not be able to fully comprehend it, but I can experience it. And I mean, I've thought of this when I've stood uh, beside the ocean and the waves are lapping up at your feet, and you look at, at this vast, this vast, vast ocean that I can't comprehend. I can't comprehend how huge it is, how far it goes. It's beyond my ability to grasp all thousands of miles to other continents, which seem like totally different planets to me, different worlds to me. And and I can't grasp the depth of the whole thing. In fact, we haven't even explored the depths of the whole thing. You know, we've sent people to the moon. We sent... um, we sent satellites out uh, all the way through our um, solar system, but we haven't really explored all the depths of the ocean yet. But here's what I can do. I can stand there and I can let that beautiful water come up on my feet. And, and I can say, this feels good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in a little further. And, and I take a step in further and now it's up to my knees. And I say, wow, I like this. I like this. This is just so wonderful. I'm going to walk in and I can have it up to my hips and up to my, you, you know, And we can experience God's love. We can immerse ourselves in God's love. I can go out and and dive in the water and just totally enjoy that that beautiful blue ocean, even though I can't comprehend the whole thing. And and with God's love, I can immerse myself in his love. I can experience it. I can allow it to fill me and to surround me, all the while saying to myself, this is more than I can comprehend. I wonder where this ends. You know, I wonder how far I can go and, and never leave this love. And, and I can't comprehend that, but I can experience it. That takes the Holy Spirit. You know, that takes the Holy Spirit. It takes revelation from the Holy Spirit. And, and that's what we constantly want to be asking for. God, give me, let me see. Let me experience your love. And, and let me see it more than just reading about it. I want to, I want to have insight into it that, that, makes, that stuns me. 
and then experience it in a way that thrills me. And so to, to really, one of the aspects, well, actually, I got a prophetic word from one of our prophetic people here last week at the end of the service that fits this because she said she felt like God was saying to us as a church body that God's love is so vast that it's incomprehensible, yet we can experience it. And the thing that we need to do is just keep going into him further, growing in our relationship with Christ so we can grasp more and more of it. And so that was a word that was given for this whole church body. That means for you. I mean, even as Paul just said, with all the saints, that means for us as, as a collective church body, people here, the people that were here um, on first service, people that come here, but they aren't here today. This is an invitation for all of us to experience and walk in the love of God more deeply and more fully. And boy, I pray that right now. Holy Spirit, reveal, reveal your love to us. Holy Spirit, reveal the presence of God to us. Reveal your presence and the presence of your unfathomable love. Another, another passage that takes this uh, to a whole higher level is John 17, 23. It, it says this. Jesus is t- praying to God the Father, and he said, I am in them. And you, Father God, are in me. And he says the result of that is that they become completely one. Just stop there for a second. Okay, if you think about that, God the Father is in Jesus. Jesus is in me. Eternity is in me. The Godhead is in me. And Godhead is in you. Why would we allow petty differences to separate us? How could, how could uh, you know, any silly little, little personal preference cut me off from you or you off from me. That doesn't mean that every church is alike. It means we have a call of God and a style we're pressing into and that's all part of God's plan, but it means we can be friends with others. And so he talks about how God in him and he in us produces this this sense of love for each other. But then he goes on to say, so that the world may know that you have sent me. You've heard that before, many of us have. And that's a powerful thing that the world would know. But we normally don't look at this last phrase when this is taught on. I want you to look at this. That they would know you, Jesus, that you, Father, sent me, Jesus, into the world. And you have loved them even as you have loved me. Camp on that for a moment. Even as means in the same way. It means to the same degree. That's what, that's, what the, that's what it means. Okay, picture the love, the, the love of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existing for all eternity. Father sends his son into the world, and over and over again you read, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved son, and the love that the son has for the father, and now Jesus is saying, Father, you love my followers in the same way and to the same degree that you love me. Now, this is where it gets incomprehensible, isn't it? So just take that and ask God to give you insight into it. Take that and and pray this week, Lord, help me to understand what this means. 
that you love me the same way you love Jesus. I can't believe that. That, that doesn't seem even right. It doesn't seem fair. And how, how can that be, Father? Give me more. Show me more. Give me revelation to understand that. Just pray that throughout this week, and God will speak to you in ways that you'll be astounded and amazed. And so understanding God's incredible love for us is just foundational. Do you know another thing that's really important and foundational is understanding that in Christ there's no condemnation? And it says in Romans 8.1, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, we live in a world where there is so much condemnation, so many things that make us feel bad about ourselves, feel inadequate, feel like we're worthless or we haven't done things right or that we don't deserve, blessing. And this says, no, there's no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That means we're free. We don't have to put up with that. We can just say no to it. And as, as you think of that, the love of God, that our hearts are set free, no condemnation, another key truth is that we live in a war zone. Man, you have to get this. We live in a war zone. We don't get, we don't get the choice of where we're going to be born. Adam and Eve chose that for us, okay? And we are born into a fallen world where there is a kingdom of darkness and there is a kingdom of light, And when you and I were born into the kingdom of darkness, Jesus made it possible for us to be transferred from that kingdom to the kingdom of light, and not only be transferred, but to be changed. I'm not just an old kingdom of darkness person trying to live in a kingdom of light. He has changed me and made me the type of person that fits in the kingdom of light. And so we live then in this war zone where I'm part of the army of God. You know, you might say, wait a second. I thought I was just signing up for heaven. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I thought this was a family that we were just going to love each other and have parties and, and then go to heaven when we die. And it is a family. We do need to celebrate and love each other. And we are going to go to heaven when we die. But that's just the final destination. It's not the purpose. Okay. It's not the goal. It's not why. We are in the kingdom of light. And he brings us into the kingdom of light, into his kingdom, because that's what he created us to be in first. He created us for relationship with himself. And then we get to have this relationship with him, but he also leaves, sets us here as an army. And as an army, we are the ones that are given duty and responsibility and privilege and power and life to carry this thing into the world and to push back the darkness. That's what we get to do. And we do it with love. We do it by talking about the love of the Father to people, spreading the love of the Father, spreading the life of Jesus. And we do it with loving hearts and in consideration of others. But there's an enemy out there that makes it hard. And and spiritual attack comes. And so every time I start to make a breakthrough... I've, I've made this breakthrough, and I think, yeah, man, I'm, 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 I'm doing it, finally. I'm never going to get depressed again. I'm never going to be unkind again. I'm never going to be impatient again. And, and then suddenly, we come under this spiritual attack, and we just blow it big time. And, and we think, what the heck just happened? I thought I was finally free. Well, you make a breakthrough, what happens in a war there's pushback. In a war, there's attack back. 
And so if, if, if nothing else, you just recognize that and say, oh, okay, so this is just the enemy attacking me back. And, and I need to all the more just yield to Jesus in this and walk in his love and walk in the victory of that breakthrough that I've just experienced. And so breakthrough is just such a, a key part of the whole understanding of life that we have. And the way we walk in greater and greater and greater breakthrough is to take the revelation we have, and the word steward means to manage it. But I like that word steward, to steward it well. It's a biblical term. So God's given me this revelation of his love. That's a gift to me, and I can't just walk away from it. I have to say, okay, how, what am I gonna do with this? You know, how's it gonna impact my life? How am I gonna steward this new insight God's given me, this new empowerment God's given me, this new life he's given me in his kingdom as a child of light? How am I gonna steward this new thing he's given me? When we steward it well, then he gives us more. That's a basic kingdom principle. You know, he gives us a little and sees how, how do we handle that. And then he gives us more. And so um, we're gonna, I'm going to read a passage later that illustrates all of this. But uh, before I do that, um, I, I asked my son Wilson to come up and share some things that he shared last night at the house group service. And uh, I, I would encourage you to get his message. Uh, go online later this week. It'll be up online. Listen to his message. The whole thing's really powerful. But uh, where's Will? Will, come on up here. Hey, good morning, everybody. So a couple weeks ago, here at the church, we had an event called a 24-hour power evangelism event. And uh, who, just by a show of hands, who knew about that or who participated in the 24-hour power evangelism? Awesome, cool, bunch of you guys. So just to kind of give you context for what we were going for, our idea, there's a ministry called the International House of Prayer, IHOP, out in Kansas City, and there's other ones all around the states, where they're committed to 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year to be praying and worshiping. So there's just constantly, always prayer going. And, you know, they get that idea kind of from, like, pray without ceasing. And they, they just want to continually be seeking God and seeking to pray for our country and the world and all that stuff. And so, man, that's amazing. We think that's really cool. But we had the idea, what if we did a 24-hour power evangelism event? What if for 24 hours straight, we were sending out teams of people into Coleraine and Cincinnati just to pray for people and just to share with people how much Jesus loves them? pretty cool idea. It's actually Nathaniel's idea back there. He uh, led the whole event, did it. Give Nathaniel a hand. So what I mean by power evangelism, really quick in case you're not familiar with that term, when we say evangelism, we just mean helping people take their next step towards Jesus. You know, everyone's on a journey towards the Father. Like, I just really believe that God's working redemption at all times in everyone's life. Everyone has a chance at every step of their day to take a step closer to Jesus. So when we say evangelism, we just mean, like, coming alongside people and giving them a little taste of God and letting them take, helping them take that next step. Then when we say power evangelism, we mean doing that with power. And really, that's the only kind of evangelism Jesus did. You know, Jesus didn't have like a tract and go up to people and said, hey, here are the four spiritual laws. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven or hell? No, he said, oh, you're blind? Okay, let me heal you. And proclaimed the good news and demonstrated the good news of the kingdom. So when we say power evangelism, we just mean going out 
and uh, praying for people, letting God move, seeing what God wants to do. And it's, it's always really fun. Everything I'm about to tell you guys about is something like, like what my dad said. We're all, we all signed up to be power evangelists. Everyone in this room is a weapon of mass destruction against the kingdom of darkness because you have Jesus living inside of you. So this, this story I'm telling really isn't anything special about me. It's all about the Holy Spirit and me just learning to say yes to him, continually say yes. So like for real, take courage from this story. This story is for you guys. Every person in this seat can do everything I'm talking about. None of this is like special to Wilson or special to Aaron or special to Rick or Luke or something. No, like this is all for everyone in this room. So 24 hour power evangelism event, uh, Jen and I, my wife, that cute girl that was singing right here, we um, signed up to do the 11 p.m. to 12 a.m. shift. So like literally, it started at 4 p.m. and ended at 4 p.m. on Saturday. Started at 4 on Friday, ended at 4 on Saturday. 24 straight hours, Nathaniel was here at the church sending people out. We signed up for the 11 p.m. to 12 a.m. shift. And you know, at 11 p.m. at night, it's not like you have a ton of options about where to go and pray for people. Like you got like Walmart and Meyer and like 24-hour Walgreens and then bars. And that's basically your options. So you guys all know the skyline right down here on Corian Avenue, right by Reagan. There's a little bar attached to that place that we, I mean, we frequent that skyline. And by frequent, I mean like a lot. We love skyline here. If you're a Gold Star fan, I don't even know what to say to you. We, we're going to be offering deliverance later on in the service. We'll pray for you. Um, they'll get, you'll get breakthrough and freedom. You'll experience God's, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I, I've kind of had my eye on this bar for a while. It's a little pool hall. And so Jen and John and I go in there, get a couple beers, go and sit down. And uh, we're just chilling, waiting to see like kind of what God wants to do. We barely were able to stay. All they had was like Bud Light and Coors Light. I'm not a big fan, but I was like, okay, for the kingdom, you know. So we go and grab a seat. We grab a seat um, and we're just chilling, kind of just waiting to see what, kind of where God's leading, what he's directing. And after a while, we're just kind of, okay, we don't really know what to do, but there's a bunch of guys at this pool table. There's a bunch of guys and girls at this pool table. Let's just go start telling them how much Jesus loves them and see, you know, see what's going to happen. So I go over and I start uh, kind of chatting these guys up, sharing with them how much Jesus loves them. Find out that one of them actually has come to this church before. He's come here a bunch. And then, you know, I started feeling like God was speaking to me about uh, things about him. So I started sharing with him, like, you know, words of knowledge and prophetic words I felt like I had for him. And none of it made any sense. None of it was right. He was just like, like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any kids. No, I haven't been in a car accident. Like everything I was saying was just totally off, not making any sense, which is okay because I'm learning. I'm just learning how to hear God's voice. And, I, and the biggest thing I've learned is the more you get it wrong, the closer you are to getting it right. You only get good at stuff when you keep practicing, you keep pushing in, you don't let failure push you back. And um, so I kind of like divert my attention away from there and see my wife on the other end of the room talking to this like elderly gentleman who looks kind of rough. And I was like, you know, I'm going to go check out, make sure he's being nice to her, make sure nothing, making, making sure this is all okay. So I go over, um, and Jen has found out that one of his legs is actually shorter than the other. That he has, he has really bad pain in his left leg, or I think it was his left leg. And um, his left knee is all messed up, and his left leg is actually three inches shorter. Like, it, it seemed to me, I mean, three inches is a lot. Like, the bones, the sinews, the tendons, all that stuff was actually shorter on one leg than the other. So that causes a lot of back pain, you know, like your back gets messed up from having one leg short. Lots of times people get like lifts in their shoes and stuff. So we just, dude, you know, Jesus wants to heal you. He can heal that right now. 
honestly, man, like this is going to sound weird, but we see people's legs grow like all the time. And that's really the truth. Like I've prayed for more people's legs to grow out that have than that haven't. I don't know. It's just, there's nothing about me. It's the Holy Spirit just moving. So we sit him down, pick his legs up. And sure enough, one leg is like a full three inches. I mean, like a good distance shorter than the other. And we just looked him straight in the eyes and started telling him how much Jesus loved him. We just said, man, Jesus is passionate about you. He's pursuing a deeper relationship with you. He's not mad at you. He has favor on your life. You're his favorite son. He loves you so much. He's coming after you. And he's just, he, he loves you so much. And we're just telling him truth that he, he might not have been thinking about in the moment, how much Jesus loved him. And then we just looked down at his leg. Oh, and, and by this time, before this happened, I had told those other guys I was talking to, hey, come over here. You're going to see like God do a miracle. Come watch. So like two or three of them came over kind of like auspiciously, what's going on? And um, we have his legs up and we just said, leg, I command you to grow in Jesus name. Come out, come out right now. It'd be the same length. And just literally right before our eyes, just shoots right out, like really quick, just comes right to the same length. And uh, the other guys that are watching are kind of like, what? <laughs> what just happened? But really weird, really odd reaction from this man. He was not super excited about it. I mean, he said, like, I felt that. I saw that. He gets up and he's like, yeah, it feels better. It feels much better. And we're like, well, dude, Jesus loves you. Oh, get, get out of here. I don't want to hear any more about that. And like, it was really ornery and weird. I don't know what was up with that. But it's okay because, you know, Jesus got rejected sometimes. Jesus healed people and did miracles in cities. And then they said, get out of here. We know who you are, blah, blah, blah. Like Jesus got rejected. So we should expect it too. And it doesn't really like, you know, get to me because they're not rejecting me. Like they're rejecting Jesus. And that's just, um, the Holy Spirit's moving in that guy's life. Who knows what happened 10 minutes later, an hour later. But, uh, meanwhile, these two guys that I had called over, their eyes are like as big as saucer plates. They cannot believe what just happened. They're like, you know, just totally freaked out. And the one guy is a construction worker from Wisconsin. His name was Jason. And uh, poor guy was staying at the red carpet inn right across the street. I told him, man, that, that's kind of rough. I know that, I know that place is kind of dodgy. And, um, but he leans over to John, the other guy that was with us, and said, hey, like, one of my legs is shorter. Can that, will the same thing work for me? Can, can that happen for me? My, my back's really bothering me. And John's like, of course, yeah. So he sits down pick his legs up. And sure enough, one of his legs is about an inch shorter. So I mean, two guys in this bar, like what are the chances? Um, and we just begin to speak to Jason, dude, Jesus loves you. He's pursuing you. He's always loved you. He's always been there. He's never been mad at you. He's for you. He wants to support you and he wants to bless your life. And, um, said, Hey leg, come on. Like after you tell people about how much God loves them, it just kind of opens things up. And then it's, we just prayed simple prayer leg. I command you to grow in Jesus name. And his leg just shoots right out too. So he jumps up and he's like, why we told him, check it out. He's walking back around in the restaurant or in the bar, like checking his back out and like just totally freaked out that his, that his back is healed. He pulls out his license and starts showing everyone, look, I'm from Wisconsin. This is real. Like these guys did not know me before. This is real. <laughs> Like, I know this looks like something you'd see on TV, but this is real. This happened. And uh, so, I mean, his reaction was like priceless. Totally like two opposites. Like the one dude just says, get out of here. And the other guy's totally open. And um, that's all the Holy Spirit, you know. So then we say to him, hey, well, we can share in the gospel with him, asking him if he knows Jesus. And he actually did have a personal relationship with Jesus. But then we, um, we found out he had never heard of the Holy Spirit. 
He didn't know like about the baptism and filling of the Holy Spirit. And he said, oh yeah, I was baptized as a kid. We're like, no, no, no. Like the Holy Spirit is an experiential taste of God's love for you. And he wants to come and fill you and empower you to do life through his power, not through your own. So we uh, just laid hands on him. And right there, 1145 on a Friday night in this little pool hall, he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit and is just like shaking and like bent over. But it's a full contact sport, you guys. Like, yeah, praise God. Come on, Jesus. We love you. Go, Jesus. It's a full contact sport, 24-7, 365, everywhere you go, the gospel is dying to get out of you, you know? Can I tell one more story? Okay. <laughs> Dangerous giving me the mic. Um, so one of our house group leaders, Rick, he, I, I told him this story earlier in the week, and he got inspired and said, you know what? This week, I'm going to go have my quiet time in a bar. I'm going to go sit in a bar and read my Bible and pray and worship. So I love that, man. He goes and he's sitting in the bar and um, his waitress, he's kind of feeling like a heart for her. He wants to pray for her and minister to her. And he just gets this sense. He just has this idea float through his mind that she'd had a miscarriage and that she'd actually lost a child through a miscarriage. So Rick, very tactfully, when she comes back, he just asked her, hey, do you have any kids like I'm just interested to know more about you. Do you have any kids? She said, yeah, I have two daughters. She begins to share about that with them. He says, well, hey, Jesus just wants to bless your family. Is it okay if I just pray for you real quick that your family will be blessed and your daughters will be blessed? She's, of course, open to that. He prays for her. And then he just says, hey, um, this, this is kind of personal, but I, was just, I just got the sense, have you had a miscarriage? She said, yeah, I, I have. How did you know that? And he said, Jesus just showed me that because he loves you and he wants to heal that place in your heart. He wants you to know that he was there when you went through that and he loves you and he just wants to heal that area of your heart. So like, man, how, how simple a little step he took. That, that's risky, right? That's pretty bold. But look at the reward from that. Like the healing and the introduction, she had to more of the follow through that. It's pretty amazing. So you guys, it's everyone in this room can do this stuff. It's as simple as tomorrow when you're at work and you hear your boss or your coworker say, man, I have a headache, saying, hey, can I pray for you real quick? I know this is weird, but can I just pray for you really fast? And boom, you do it. Maybe they get healed. Maybe they get don't. Either way, you stepped out and you lived Jesus. You actually embraced the truth that the Holy Spirit's alive inside of you. That's breakthrough right there. Just tomorrow, even if you think about praying for somebody, that's you taking a risk. And that's breakthrough happening. So be dangerous with your thoughts. Be dangerous with your prayers, okay? Oh, that's awesome, Will. You know, um, don't always get to share this kind of stuff with you, but Wilson mentioned the Red Roof Inn, and um, I was thinking, uh, we have, as a church, and this means you and I together, we have put so many people up at the Red Roof Inn over the years here that needed a place to stay, that were, uh, it's winter and they don't have a room, or most recently, I think there was a guy that had gotten out of the hospital and he had nowhere to go and no family in town and family was far enough away that they couldn't come. And so we were able as a church out of our um, uh, mercy fund to be able to say, well, okay, we'll give you two nights here and, and here's some food in addition. So that's really cool, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I like Gold Star too. This is why you have the older guy talk after the younger guy. Yeah. 
I love you too. All right, we're going to read some uh, stuff from Acts together, okay? Acts 3. It really reflects uh, a lot of what happened the other night with Will and Jen and and these guys that they prayed for. Uh, This story is a reflection of that and a lot of similarities here. What, What I want you to do as we're reading through it, just try to capture in your mind some of the thoughts you've heard today and, and apply them as you're reading through this, okay? Just, just say, uh, Holy Spirit, teach us and reveal things to us even as we read through this passage. Acts 3, starting in verse 1. Uh, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of pray, prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth, 40, 40 years, he was 40 years old, you find out later. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Here it is, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and, and, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So I was looking at this passage really from the perspective of breakthrough, and God wove these other things into this message today. Um, but here we have this man who for 40 years, since the time he was born, he's never, never walked. And he's taken to the temple gate to beg. That's his living and that's where he is, day after day. And for this man, this was an incredible breakthrough day for him. And I, we're going to look at a couple things about him in, in a moment. You know, how, how did he experience this breakthrough? But for Peter and John, it was also breakthrough. Because this is happening just like weeks after the ascension of Jesus. And Peter and John have spent three years following Jesus around, watching him do this stuff. Everywhere he goes, he's healing people and raising the dead and casting out demons and freeing people and and seeing miracle after miracle occur. And during that time, Jesus actually trained them how to do this. And so on one occasion, Jesus sent them out. He said, I'll be here, you go do it. So they go out and then they come back and report into Jesus and they're all pumped and excited. That happened a couple of times. But now... Jesus isn't here anymore. Now Jesus is in heaven. And now they are Jesus to the world. They've been part of this whole event where the Holy Spirit came on them in that upper room and filled them with God's presence and just rocked their worlds so that now that verse in John 17 that we read earlier, Father, you're in me and I am in them. That's true. The Holy Spirit is in them. So Jesus and the Father are are in them. And so Peter and John, now this, is, this will be the first recorded major, major miracle 
after the ascension of Christ. And they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're on a journey. They have a purpose. They know where they're going. But they were so much in the moment that they were able to stop what they were doing and to halt the progress in the direction they were headed and pay attention to this one man. Now, have you ever uh, been in a position where someone is uh, sitting along the sidewalk or, or in, along the road and maybe holding a sign saying, you know, need food, and, and you're pulling up right beside the person? What is our tendency, eye, eye contact-wise? Does that feel good to make eye contact with someone that's in need, uh, it, that, that someone is needy? I mean, we, we have a tendency to look past the person. We have a tendency not to want to make eye contact because eye contact is an, is an intimate thing. And once I've made eye contact with the person and I know their need, then there's something in my heart that stirs and says, oh man, I got to help meet that need. And so it's, it's just easier to avert our eyes and to walk past sometimes people that are hurting like this. But Peter and John, they're willing to stop they stop, and what's it say? It says they fixed their gaze on him. So they hear him calling out. They just stop. You know, the crowd's walking by. They stop. The guy's sitting there, and they're just standing there staring at him. Now, when it says they fixed their gaze on him, there's an element to that uh, wording that means more than just they were looking at him. That there, there's something happening here where they are intently discerning what is happening. And they are, they are discerning what is God doing in this moment? L- later in the book of Acts, it says that the apostle Paul fixed his gaze on a man. Same, same language. And it says he discerned that the man had faith to be healed. And so what they're doing is they are discerning what God's doing by looking at the man. Now, this is one of the reasons why when you go through our prayer training, you will be tr- trained to keep your eyes open when you are praying for people. So that you um, can see what God's doing because God will use our physical uh, vision to reveal spiritual things to us. And sometimes you can see tangible things that are happening as a result of the Spirit's work. But they're staring at this man. And then they say to the man, look at us. Look, look at us. And this man lifts his eyes and stares back at them in the eye. Now that tells me something about this man. And that is that he was not so locked in a shame-based mentality about life that he couldn't look someone in the eye. I mean, I've been in situations where I couldn't get the other person to look me in the eye. And this man is willing, he's able. He's not like just, just so, so enshrouded in this shame and embarrassed, that he, but he's able to look back and to look into their eyes. Now, one of the things, he asked the right people, but he asked for the wrong thing. And so when he's looking at them, he's still thinking, okay, they're going to give me some money. And these guys actually stopped. They're focused on me. They're talking to me. This, this might be really good right now. And so he's fixate, focused back on them. And that's when Peter and John say, look, we don't have any money. And I think that is a statement about the fact that they were not living with any shame or fear or anxiety about what other people around them are going to think. I mean, have you ever been someplace where you had no money in your wallet and someone says, hey, let's go get a hamburger. 
or let's go, let's go out for, uh, you know, Cokes or whatever, coffee, and you don't have any money, what do you do? Do you say, well, I don't, actually, I don't have any money? Or do you just beg off and say, you know, nah, I think I'm, I'm going to pass? Because it's not a comfortable thing to say, I don't have any money. Yet Peter and John here, they're not embarrassed by that. They're not worried about that at all because Peter goes on to say, what I do have. You see, he knew what he did have. He knew that the kingdom of God was inside of him. And as Wilson just said, just ready to bust out, just waiting to bust out. The love of God was filling him eager to bust out and to bless this man. And so Peter says, what I do have, I'll give you. And then he identifies Jesus in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I'm telling you, walk. And in that instant of time, Peter releases the kingdom of God. He realized he had authority to do that. He understood who he was. He understood his identity. And and he spoke a release of the kingdom of God. He didn't look to heaven and say, oh God, please, if it's your will and you're feeling happy today and if this guy is deserving, then please heal him. He didn't do that. He knew that the the authority and the power of the kingdom resided in him and he could release it to the man. And that's what he does. And so then there's this huge risk on the man's part as well as on Peter's part. Because this guy is 40 years old. You read that later in the story. And he has never walked his entire life. You know, I wonder what his muscles were like. I wonder what his calf muscles were like. You know, like, can you picture, like, just like string beans going, just, just virtually nothing left of muscle, tendon. This, the pads on the bottom of his feet that have never been used would have been shriveled up and gone. And yet this guy is willing, and I suspect he's heard the name of Jesus before, because he spends time at this gate. And everybody in Jerusalem knew about Jesus. And so Peter has stirred his faith, has spoken healing to him. And now the man is ready to stand up. And he takes Peter's hand. And it says Peter helped him stand up, which means the man wasn't resisting. It wasn't like Peter is out in public and grabs someone in a wheelchair. And they're fighting to stay in the wheelchair. And he's pulling, you know, dragging him out of the wheelchair or anything like that. This man's cooperating with it. And so they're both taking this huge risk. I mean, publicly uh, and in front of everybody, take him by the hand and pull him up. And in that instant of time, there's this creative miracle that happens. The muscles are restored totally. The tendons and ligaments and the skin is restored. And the blood vessels where there weren't blood vessels before because there was very little for the blood to flow to. All of it comes back to life in that instant where that man reached out his hand to Peter and Peter reached out his hand and took it and pulled him back up. And there's something about that act of faith, that, at, that risk that releases the presence and the power of God in a way that you say a prayer and then just stand back and th- there's this release of power and life when there's the, 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 um, the risk that's taken. The man that had the withered hand and Jesus met him in the temple, and Jesus said, stretch out your hand. Well, that guy, he said, okay, dude, that's the problem. I can't stretch out my hand. It's withered. 
But in the command was the power. In the command was the release of power and the release of authority. And that man had to make the choice to say, this guy, I'm going to trust him. He says, stretch out my hand. I'm going I'm to tell my hand to stretch out. And so he wills and he says, okay. And he starts to raise his arm out. And as he does that, his hand is made whole. See, there's something about this idea of us hearing it, receiving it, and acting on it. There's power that's released. And so Peter and John encounter this guy, um, this, this open-hearted man, who then is like the second guy that Wilson prayed for. He's jumping and running around, jumping up and down. He can't stop telling people. He's excited. He's pumped about the whole thing and, uh, and just thankful to God. I think the guy had faith. I think that's what it all came down to, that this was a man who knew who Jesus was, had never encountered him personally, but he knew who Jesus was. And as soon as he hears the word Jesus, he's ready to roll. He's ready to receive this. And so you see that because of his response. His response is one of worship and, and praise to God. But uh, the, the, um, the risk that he took and the approach that Peter and John took where they were attentive to this man at the moment, where they respected him, uh, high expectations of God, no shame or embarrassment for what I can or can't give. Here's what I have. I'll give that to you. These, these principles release things to us. And they can release boldness to us. And as Wilson said, just tomorrow, if you're in the, if you're in the grocery store and you see someone and you even think the thought, wow, I had to see if I could pray for that person, that's a step the right direction. Don't walk away from that feeling condemned if you didn't fulfill it, okay? Just, just walk away thinking, okay, that's cool. God just spoke to me. I didn't act on it in that case, but I'm going to act on it. You know, when, when the person, the fellow employee at work tells you they have the migraine, as Wilson shared, and, and, and your first thought is, I had to pray for them. Don't go away as a failure if you don't. But if you can find the strength to do it and you realize, I have this authority in me. I don't have to be ashamed. Even if it doesn't work, I don't have to be ashamed. I don't, it's, it's not about me. And you speak to them. You say, hey, can I say a prayer for you? And they allow you to do that. Wow, what, what a step ahead. What a breakthrough in our lives. But whatever area you need breakthrough in, um, it almost always happens through relationship with others. It, it happens on the basis of uh, expectation. It happens on the basis of understanding our identity and, and walking out that identity. And I want to tell you, we're, we're going to go into the last part of our service right now in worship. And we're going to have communion later Amanda's going to come up and lead us into the next part of that. But um, we have a great um, service, and, and a lot of really cool stuff's going to happen. I wanted to share one thing with you. I think it's the second song we sing. It's called You Surround Me, and it has the line, It Is Well With Me, in it. Uh, some folks from our church, uh, Jen- Jenna Freilich, Derry Turnbow, and Luke Hazelmeyer wrote this. And I just want to say, it's an anointed song. And uh, we're just going to have a great time worshiping now. So Amanda, you want to come up and lead us through the rest of the service?